And now, for some intro music. Hello, welcome to episode number 18 of the Bits and Pieces podcast. I am Nevada Drew, and as always, I'm joined by George. Say hello. Hello. And by Gab, say hello. Hello, everybody. Super. How are we doing today, boys? Good. We are, we're 18, Solid. 18th episode. You can get we a drink are, on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Have a wee pint. I, yeah, it's all, it's all going up. <laughs> anyway, uh, we have an a well, running order again this week, uh, which makes me feel so organised. No, I've lost it. Uh, so we're going to do some news because if we're not the hippest toppetest podcast around, I don't know what we are. Uh, and then George can talk about dead cells. And we're going to do some Metal Gear Solid Five spoilers. Um, and then Gab's made some progress on Game Two is going to finish. I don't know what does it say in the. Po- Notes there, Saw Three for some reason. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't complete Saw Three. That's uh, that's on my backlog. Okay, that seems to be. Uh, <laughs> did, did they that was make probably it? when my microphone fell over and mangled <laughs> right. my keyboard. Did they so, make a, a video game? Of, was there a third Saw video game, or there was like I don't know a Saw video first game? One? There was. I can say there was definitely one. Was almost it? certainly two. Right? Oh, I don't remember that. I don't really know what, what it involved. I can't, I like to imagine that it was a bit like uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon, but. Your soul. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it'd be more like escape the room puzzles, but because that could be interesting. I, I like my idea more. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> Solar coaster tycoon. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Right, and then Gav's going to talk to us a bit more about Final Fantasy 15, uh, and then George has some board games, and then we're going to do a belt quiz. So it's it's all belt quiz. It's all going on today, folks. Um, Decades of research. George, you want to lead us off with the news? Cause, so, most yeah, exciting bit of news. There was finally more gameplay footage of the Untitled Goose game. Yes. Yep. It, was, it was good. Yeah. And it's coming to Switch, so I was I was quite happy. <laughs> that is pretty good. I mean, can you still call it an Untitled Goose game if it seems like Untitled Goose game is the title of the <laughs> yeah. Goose game? Who knows? But, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to nitpick. Because it looks good. I mean, you... It seems like you just have it. It seems like he, he, it seems like a. I don't know if you'd call it a puzzle. Like it's almost like Hitman. This the game, which is what is amusing. <laughs> like it, it seems like you're in like an area and you have to solve some puzzles in a way that is reminiscent of hit, like the way that you might solve Hitman areas. So yeah. the, so there some stuff that I saw was. I think that they showed it like briefly previously, but you had like yeah, you, know, you have to gather a picnic and get the farmer wet, as opposed to you know drop a piano on the farmer if it was Hitman. Mm. Uh, but it looked fun, and there is a button to just make the goose honk. <laughs> Doesn't do anything, uh, but that's it. So gonna gonna honk on that game when it comes out on the Switch. Probably it sounds pretty honkable. Yeah, you're gonna goose on the go. Exactly. Speaking of goosing on the go, we've also had footage of uh, Cyberpunk 2077 as well. It's uh, 
questionable segue there. I hate to cast aspersions on it, but that was pretty. <laughs> right there. I mean, there's, no, there's no confirmation there isn't goose in the game. Well, cyber geese. It's I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> genetically modified geese. Exactly. Yeah, we all got to finally see the the gameplay demo that was so covertly displayed at E3 that everyone was talking mm. about. Uh, uh, it looks oh okay. I wasn't like super excited. As... I wasn't really like blown away by it. It's basically what I thought it would be. Um, like it meets expectations, but yeah, I'm not like. There's nothing in there that made me think like, "Whoa, this is." I mean, apart from maybe the world design, I think that they are kind of knocking out of the park with the art direction and everything, mm. but. The you know we've already seen pictures of that, but I mean gameplay wise it looks quite you know pretty standard so far really. I mean, yeah, shooting and everything. There was some shooting. There was a little driving bit. Um, Not that we're here to be downers and try no. and put a damper on everyone's hype, but I think it's I just mean, like we're so used to like just like the spectacular displays of games that we only. Of like games that are presented in such a spectacular fashion, and it wasn't even a game we were particularly interested in or excited for. So it's like a game that has such a huge amount of hype. They show it, and it's like, oh yeah, no, that kind of does look like the a fun game. <laughs> it's almost it's almost a bit of a letdown because it's like they put themselves in a weird position where they've already made people think it's going to be amazing. So even if it is amazing, that's the baseline that everyone expects. Yeah. So if they don't exceed people's amazing expectations and people are just like oh yeah great um but yeah it looked fine <laughs> i i it's weird because like it's, it looks like yeah they're gonna make a perfectly fine game about it <laughs> it looks about as good as it did when we've seen shots of it before and now it's got some shooting that we've seen so yeah i thought yeah the, i thought the gameplay was a little bit like i don't know lechy is that the wrong term in the way that it was just like, here's the, I don't know, is it, I don't know if she was dead, but like the the corpse, like an android corpse of a woman, uh, we're just gonna look at her boobs for the next five minutes. Yeah, I mean it is. And it was CD Project Red. Yeah, I mean, it, you it, were it, looking. It comes at the with the territory, to be honest. Well, it was like they made, well, they made a big thing at the start of like we're playing as a female character, but it felt very kind of male gazy, which is like, mm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know, yeah, like, I kind of, I get yeah. what you mean. Yeah, it just felt like, I mean, I know it's CG Project Red, and like, there's a lot of that in The Witcher, but it felt just like a, just a slight notch up. I mean, you can almost dismiss it more in The Witcher because, like, you're like, oh, it's the past. Things were like that in like medieval times. Like, you know, medieval settings, like the, the male-female dynamic is going to be different, and then you think, oh, the future will be like, you know better than we are now and it's like no we're just the same or worse oh, yeah, it's, it's kind like, of a bit disappointing look it's a naked dead woman's body she's the objective prop yeah uh, I mean, well she wasn't actually dead she yeah was still she was like... oh yeah she'd had an organ harvested several bio organs harvested <laughs> um, I still hold there was no evidence that disproves my theory that the cancelled FFG card game Netrunner <laughs> has been acquired by CD Projekt Red to appear in the game. So I'd say that's the most likely thing at this point. Still, <laughs> still, still waiting for evidence on that. But I think that's what's going to happen because you... 
I really hope like the whole game is just structured around that, and like they <laughs> like the Netrunner is just sort of like that's where like it's sort of this dystopia because everybody spends all their money and time playing Netrunner, <laughs> buying <laughs> Netrunner credits. <laughs> that would be great. Um, yeah, I mean, there was it, a. Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, I was just gonna say there was a, there was a lot about the combat that I thought looked interesting, um, but it did look quite standard in a lot of places, like. I mean, as you'd expect from a more like RPG-centered game, all the enemies looked maybe just a little too bullet spongy mm-hmm. for my taste. But there was a, there was a lot of interesting stuff. There. Like a lot of the walls looked destructible and stuff, and you could kind of find alternate paths, you know, because like you know you go outside through the window and everything. I mean, it's sort of scripted in that bit. Mm. But <clears throat> and I mean, as when they kind of unlocked some of the then the later game abilities, it was kind of interesting. Where you know you could yeah do definitely, some definitely funny mind hacking and so on it definitely got more exciting it's like the first the first sort of combat section it like dispatches you to a sort of rundown flat and you and your partner break in and there's just like a gunfight and it doesn't that bit just looked the enemies didn't it didn't look like none of the mechanics looked particularly satisfying like it didn't look kind of particularly satisfying to you know, like shoot the enemies they looked a bit spongy it was very kind of standard but yeah then it was exciting so she got like claws in her arms and then like hangs on a wall and then tricks the enemies into not being able to shoot their guns because of mind internet yeah because you messed with their wi-fi basically (laughs) changed the wi-fi password and now they can't shoot yeah (laughs) Um, yeah i think there was a lot of stuff later on that looked uh maybe more kind of promising i mean it's kind of again it's what i expect i didn't really think it would kind of revolutionize that formula because obviously like part of the kind of rpg idea is that you know it's kind of the trade-off right that Mm. usually you're pretty spongy so the enemies are as well or vice versa yeah like because you don't want the player character to feel like they die very quickly in situations where they could be being hit by Mm. all sorts of weird rpg stuff yeah. Well, like, I guess in 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 The Witcher, the co- like the the very basic sword combat isn't isn't very exciting. Like it's no. it's a quick attack, heavy attack, and and yeah. like that's it. It's like a lot of the interesting stuff that comes in combat comes in with the route you want to take with magic or potions and the kind of periphery stuff that mm. makes it more exciting later on. Yeah, um, but even then, to a point, it's just not. But The Witcher three combat is. Kind yeah. of serviceable. It's not the reason why you play that game. And again, yeah, I don't yeah. feel like the com the, like the combat's going to be the reason why you play Cyberpunk. No, probably not. Hey, eh? I mean, I think it's like it'd be great if it's amazing, but I'm kind of cur- more curious about the story and the, what they're going to tell. Through yeah, that. like it'll, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be because... like the 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 alternate part, alternate non combat paths. I think will kind of make or break the game. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I think that's a. Uh... That's kind of interesting. I think I, I always think it's pretty weird when I do like non-combat directions in games that have them, because when you do it, it's a weird feeling where it feels like no matter what happens, I always kind of feel like I'm missing out because mm. it's like you know, you know, you you walk through all these areas 
that you can tell, you know, some guy spent ages designing this as a combat arena. You know, there's there's a wee platform up there and there's all this stuff, you know, there's boxes here and you're like, oh, that looks like somewhere I should be shooting at guys from. Mm. And then you just talk your way out of it and it kind of feels like you've missed a chunk of game sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, maybe if they can find a balance between doing that and actually getting other like story rewards or whatever from it. Because, I mean, there's the bit where they go and speak to the guys. And, I mean, they try and do it non-combat, but it turns out that they've been tricked by the corporate agent. And they have to do the combat way anyway. Mm. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like that also happens so much in times where you try and go for non-combat routes. Where it's like, ah, too bad. You... <laughs> You yeah. made an it like uh, too bad you're gonna have to fight them anyway, even though you tried to be friendly because this is a combat section. Yeah, you just fought them thirty seconds later than you would have done otherwise. Yeah. I just wasted <laughs> some time in dial. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, like, so it's one slightly other, a different gameplay demo that news has come out about quite recently that apparently is a lot of people are seeing as underwhelming, but I think it sounds really exciting was uh, I think it was a whole lot of various industry like shop owner people was shown gameplay of Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, okay. uh, right. e- either at Gamescom or PAX, which is happening now. Uh, but apparently loads of comments were saying it looks a bit dull. It, like We were shown 20 minutes and it just looked like a horse riding simulator. Uh, <laughs> That's all you want. <laughs> and I, and I, I read that and I was like, that sounds great. I want that. Because they're like, yeah, it was just a bit of sort of riding around on a horse. Yeah, you just uh, want My Little Pony the Western, that's all you want. <laughs> and there was some clinky funky guitar, and it's like, <laughs> but I loved all of that in Red Dead. I'm so glad that it's back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with games like that, it's like, that's kind of the atmosphere that you want. Like, and then, you know, if they go too too hard on having it be, you know, exciting combat all the time, it kind of loses, yeah, you know, exactly. some of the... I mean, if you think of the Western genre in general, it's slow. It has bits that are boring. It's designed to be that way, so that then when you yeah. have those spikes of intense action, they are like that. Because you know that when someone draws a gun, someone's going to die, rather than it being like a Call of Duty game, for example. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in all, in all the classic Western films, usually it's like there's a whole load of tension leading up to very lethal you know, bursts of action. Yeah, yeah. I mean, has I mean, have you have you watched a Once Upon a Time in the West? That film's like three and a half hours long <laughs> and it feels like hardly anyone gets shot in it. Yeah. But you know uh it's it's pretty interesting. I think it's kinda good to see a game take the pace down a notch. But nice. then it's like often I think with these games, sometimes maybe it indicates that what you're being shown is the actual game rather than uh, you know, a, a super exciting pre-scripted chase sequence through a town or whatever. Mm. They're kind of showing you, you know, you playing the game like you would for about 20 minutes. Mm. Mm. When's it coming out, Red Dead 2? Is it this year? It's surprisingly soon, I think. Okay. If yeah, I'm this, not this, mistaken. Uh, this year on, on Xbox and PlayStation. Uh the twenty sixth of October. Uh, that is soon. Yeah. That is soon. That's what I'm saying. But <laughs> it's <podgy watch. laughs> I know. Mm, very soon. But not on PC. Or, no. not on PC. or, or Switch. <laughs> or Switch. Rest in peace. Yeah, or Switch. 
Should get the guys that did the uh, the Doom and Wolfenstein ports to port it to Switch. <laughs> I thought you see if the, they can. <laughs> I thought you were say the Arkham Knight guys who ported it to PC for a second. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's no, yeah, that. those guys. <laughs> well, what do you think those guys even do these days? I mean, <laughs> what do you think they're up to? <laughs> I swear I heard something about them recently about what they were doing, but it's gone out of my brain now. I'm looking up later. <laughs> A dark age that was of PC <laughs> ports. Like. Oh, uh, right, okay. I'm just going to jump in with Dead Cells then. Because I've been playing Dead that Cells. on the Switch to keep the Switch talk going. To Red switch Dead things up. Cells. Redemption. Two. Go for it. So, yeah, I picked up Dead Cells, which is a semi recent game. I guess it's like two. Well, it's been a lot. It was in, uh, I think. It was in a beta early access phase for a long time, but it is a uh, a Metroidvania, which is a term I feel I shouldn't really deploy, as I've played neither a Metroid nor a Vania. <laughs> you probably played something in the Vania of it, though. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Oh. So it's a, it's it's a two D combat game. You're running around. Uh, it's a roguelike. If you, it reminds me. In part of Risk of Rain, oh, okay. I want to play that a little That's bit, little bit, flash. little bit, mm. a little bit like Risk of Rain. Uh, and yeah, the aim is to you start your run, you get given some random equipment that drops on the floor, and right. you've got to make it as far as possible. And there are basically you, you're trying to get to the end of each little map segment, uh, yeah. and then in between every map segment, there's a little like checkpoint and. During combat, when you kill enemies, you can collect cells, and those can be deposited at the little uh, shop people that are between each segment, uh, and, right. that, and it gives you like permanent upgrades. Okay. So you can use it to uh, increase. So you can unlock uh, like a random starting weapon. So at the start, you you have like two basic items that you start with. Uh, and so you can then unlock a random starting weapon to drop at the start of the game so that it changes up the start of the run. Right. Uh, and so you have a little health flask that you can use once per little area and you can unlock that so you can get more uses out of it. You can you find blueprints for new equipment uh, and if you deposit the blueprints at a checkpoint you can then put cells to unlock that item and then it means that that item will randomly drop in the world or at the start of the game right right what uh, is the world from from it i can't picture what it's it kind of uh you're in like a prison and it's kind of there are monsters okay is it like futury or uh no it's kind of is it? yeah it's kind of like otherworldly weird fantasy prison okay like you're fighting just kind of weird ghost monsters and angry scorpion things and sort of thing like the thing I've that really because I was wary of initially because I'd heard it described as like as being quite difficult and slightly Dark Souls ish, but it's not. I from what I've seen, I don't think it is. I've never played Dark Souls, so I I don't really know. But it you should. It has a very vibrant color palette. Like it looks awesome, mm. uh, and that's something in part that put me off about Soulsborne games. I don't like how 
brown, brown grey, everything looks. <laughs> but yeah, so like you're trying to get further and further. So every every run, you're getting a little bit further. You're getting a little bit better at the game. Uh, and then I think it's every on the third stage, or every three stages, you then fight a boss. Uh, right. And then I think there are three bosses total. <laughs> I'm not, I haven't beaten the game yet, so right. Uh, I don't know, but you're constantly every like you're constantly unlocking new things that are changing up, like how you play, and so it's, it does a really good job of keeping each run fresh and interesting, right. and like getting rid of the frustration that comes with roguelikes of oh I got really far, I was doing really well, oh I died, oh great, I've, I don't look forward to trying to do it all again. Yeah, having to yeah. go through the whole thing again to get back to where you were. Mm. Uh. Because it's constantly giving you. Because as you get more unlocks, you've got new options about how you want to fight. So it's like at the start of the game, you have a sword, and you can choose between taking a bow or taking a shield. Hmm. Uh, but you, then you can unlock a random sword to drop at the start. You can unlock more random bows that drop at the start. Right. And you can like there are little shops along the way, and yeah, there are loads of like it's just fun experimenting with all the different stuff. So it's like you could play it quite slowly if you like take a shield. And the sword, so you're trying to parry every enemy. You can be a really kind of dodge focused character, just rolling around shooting arrows. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask how the combat was. Is it kind of like a dynamic like combo system, or is it? Uh, how does it work? Do you have like a stamina bar like in Dark Souls, or is it? No, I mean like combat's super stuff? simple, super easy. It's just yeah. you have you have two combat buttons, and you kind of choose what weapon is on what what button. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a dodge. There's a little dodge roll button, and it's pretty. Right. It's pretty quick, so like, like it just like depends on the weapon you have. So it's, there are a lot of just like quick slashy swords. It's like a broadsword which has a kind of very slow, like damn it, like three button combo to it. Um, That's cool. But yeah, no, it's 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 really cool. And like, the thing I most like most is it really it it's it's very accommodating for different paces of play. Right. So like when you beat, so once you kind of get very accustomed to like the first area that you arrive at mm. i think like it could very easily become really dull and repetitive because it's like oh i've oh great every every single run i've got to go through the starting area and i've mm-hmm. right yeah but it what it has is that in every segment there are little areas that you can only get to if the game clock is under a certain time and right. so like okay and so they lock basically those those areas will lock off after a certain amount of time has passed but and so, if you if you want to, you can just dodge through areas, collect all the rewards you get from the speedrunning areas, and keep going. Uh, so then, mm-hmm. like, it's a little little rewards for for like just speedrunning the game. If you're bored with an area, you can just dodge through. Yeah, that's well, that sounds cool. like it's pretty good because a lot of the games like that. The way you describe it, it reminds me a lot of um, was it Rogue Legacy? It came I was out about a while to say ago. That, yeah. yeah, and it was pretty fun. But I guess it sounds pretty bare bones compared to to the way you described Dead Cells. I mean, you kind of went through, and you had to, if you beat a boss, you could unlock... Well, I think you just had money, basically. Pretty much. And yeah. you kept a portion of it when you died, and you could spend it on upgrades for your wee town hmm. that would upgrade your next family members and so on. <clears throat> yeah. And you'd go through. But yeah, you basically had to go through... Every time, you'd have to go... And spend quite a lot of time. I I found basically because I wasn't very good at it. Basically, <laughs> going through, going through like the first area and beating the first boss, 
and then going through the next area. And it did start to feel a little bit like a slog after a while, just having to go back through stuff, basically. And so if it manages to keep that fresh, I think that's pretty key, because that's the reason I've never bothered with Binding of Isaac much, because I just can't be bothered doing the same stuff over and over again. And <laughs> I mean, I know that once you're really good at that game and other games like it, you know, you just blast through the first area, you pick up whatever it is, and you decide your item composition, your little build in your head, and you mm. shoot through it. But I'm pretty guff at it, so... Yeah, like I sort of, I felt like things like that sort of developed fairly quickly. Like, I because to like to beat the final boss, it or sorry, the first boss, it took like it took me a while, but it was quite satisfying to like just learn the first boss's like initial move set and then be like, oh, okay, so that's those are its like three moves and, and like and it has three moves. What items do I know that I currently have that can drop? Do I think will be good against it? And so it was. It was a really satisfying process of like, like theory crafting, like a build in my head that I was like, okay, I reckon with these items, that'll be pretty good. And then like I tried it, and like, okay, it doesn't really work. But what if I change that item? Hopefully, I can get that item next run. Mm. Uh, and so yeah, like be- beating that first boss was was super satisfying. And then uh, it sounds good because uh, one of my issues with Rogue Legacy was like the the combat and like the the platforming felt very floaty and sort of inaccurate. Yeah, a bit imprecise. Um, and the bosses I didn't think were particularly interesting either. They were fairly like fairly boring, especially the first few. Were, like the eyeball boss at the beginning, just it was just yeah. They just they just kind of they spam a lot of like, just energy balls at you. Yeah, you jump yeah. I kind of turned the game to this weird like bullet hell thing, but you're like in a very small chamber with very inaccurate jumping mechanics that made it feel like this is really annoying or if you sp- kind of were, had the poor luck to to have to like choose from the random three classes somebody who <laughs> does something that's just annoying <laughs> like yeah it, it is like on the ceiling or like <laughs> yeah there was a it's really short so can't jump as high or is too big the game... and then gets hit more like it, it was kind of one of the things about it is that you could get like family members depending on them they'd have different things about them like sometimes you get ones who were really short or really tall or yeah. they had inverted vision so the game was upside down like you're saying <laughs> and like and but the thing was you just there was no reason to pick them no, there was no, no just annoying. you got no bonus whatsoever from picking these characters. They were just worse, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was sometimes where like characters with uh, gigantism had more health or something. Oh, maybe but, yeah, they did more damage or something. But, but they they also got hit so much that you just die. Yeah, they're so much bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was just it, and it just had this weird kind of imbalance of risk and reward where you would just always pick in a choice the most like boring one <laughs> yeah the most plain jane joe blogs descendant yeah to succeed you just like dave the sword guy <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah yeah no, i mean did, like dead cells doesn't doesn't have anything like that because you i think you're always playing as the same person it's just like you're reconstituted soul you just get booted or, back to the start or, well yeah. it's like every time you die you like sort of like you're like this goo that kind of drops out of a pipe into the like starting (laughs) cell and then you like roll on the floor and kind of reconstitute and then along the way every time you get to a checkpoint there's like a pile of your corpses in the kind of shop zone right all right that's interesting 
But no, like also, I mean, the, the combat is is good. Everything feels pretty responsive. It's pretty nice. Oh, that's like, cool. it, it's just... Yeah, I've heard a lot of people saying good, good things about that game. Mm. Yeah, would you say is it good on Switch? Because I yeah, I I've, when like, it came out on Switch. I would say it's like some the problem. perfect Switch game because it is so easy to just to play in like a short burst, do a run, and also yeah. pretty easy to just like you get to a checkpoint, you just pause, turn off the Switch, mm-hmm. put it in your bag. Because so it's like, and it's yeah, it's really easy to play in like like to play for. 15 minutes or like you know or for longer like it's it's really nice and flexible in that way that sounds good there's also like a so the other system the game has is uh which i'm still trying to figure out is like you it has this like that for improving your character's stats uh you find these scrolls and so every item in your build has one of three colors and so it's like red which is brutality which tends to be swords Mm. purple colors which are like uh, a lot of like equipment items and green, which is I don't know survival, and so when like when it, and so every scroll you get in a certain color like increases the percentage damage you do with that color item, uh, and gives you a ever decreasing percentage health boost. Right. So like the first red scroll you get gives you plus fifteen percent damage with red items and a fi- and increase yeah. your health by fifty percent. But then the next one will only increase your health by forty, and the next one is like twenty seven percent. It keeps going, it keeps going down. And there's a, I think it's like a hidden, there's like a hidden system that slowly, as your stats increase, it increases enemy damage. Right. Okay. And a little bit of scaling. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I'm not, I'm like quite figured it out yet, and I'm sort of been trying to read read guides and stuff. But there's a certain sort of, I imagine there's like an optimal like build of scrolls because i reckon beyond a certain point the enemies will just be doing more damage more and more damage because your mm. health increases is dropping off yeah yeah mm-hmm. and so there's a certain amount of like yeah like a bit of a risk reward there yeah and so but also so it's been like been playing the game and being like right i reckon this is probably a good amount of stats that i have let's yeah. see how this goes and so i've been like applying these kind of like half bakes wisdoms mm. that I think I've sort of figured out to... yeah because that's another one of the issues I have with a lot of roguelites is that as you kind of do those like meta bits where you make your character stronger then you still end up doing like the first chunk of the game which is still the same difficulty it was at the start so it just feels really easy and then quite like like menial going through it that happens with like Rogue Legacy like the, the, you have to go through the starting area every time but the enemies are the same weak enemies that yeah. by the time you Towards like the end of the game, they do basically like they do like one damage, and you kind of breathe on them, and they fall apart. But you still want to make your way through the area. Yeah, you still have to maneuver past them and whack them in one hit. And yeah, and it does just, feel a bit like busy work. Yeah, yeah, I just want to skip past you to the bit further on by this point. Yeah, well, I think like yeah. cause in in Dissels, like your starting items, although they become different, I think they're still low tier, and you always start with the same amount of health. Like your stats always, yeah. re- your stats always mm. reset, and so you're finding like you're increasing your stats each time on every run so like uh so that always, so that always resets it's only basically like eat every like you're increasing the like the amount of times you can use your health flask and like the variety of builds that you can start with mm. oh. um, yeah that sounds pretty interesting and then also there's like it rules you kind of exploring different areas because at the end of every year, like so like the starting area can take you to one of two areas. Right. 
And so then so you decide which one you want to go to, and then that area will... I think then they both lead back to the same third area. But uh, as you like unlock more bits, you can then access different bits of the map that you couldn't before. Right. Uh, gives you so, more stuff on the <clears throat> I'm assuming that like there's a like the the areas are kind of random, like randomly generated and put pieced together, or are they like different rooms that kind of slot together in different arrangements? Uh, I think it's more like different rooms because there's a certain like there's like a pattern to it. Like I know that in the second area, like second area A, I know often has a time gate right at the start. But it's, right. not, it's not like it's not always in an identical place. Like it's always in a slightly different bit. But I know that there's a time gate that will appear at somewhere near the start of the second area most of the time. And so like, uh, so I mean, maybe there's maybe that maybe there's just like a handful of variations, but it feels like slightly different each time. Mm-hmm. Bless oh, you. Yeah. Oh cut that out of the audio because it has spiked something fierce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm coming down with a cult, which is not funny. So, so the audience around. knows Nevi sneezed twice. Yeah. It was um, good. <laughs> um, well, sounds good to me. I mean, speaking of Metroidvania games, I've also been playing the hippest, hottest Metroidvania on the market. Um, Batman Arkham origins blackgate oh yeah i hear all the kids are talking about that these days yeah (laughs) it's the it's the cool new batman game that came out was it exclusively for vita maybe or did it come out on ps as well did it come out on iphone maybe no maybe just yeah i can't tell you 100 percent. anyway yeah it's basically just it's just a batman metrovania game and it it works surprisingly well and it it's one of those like I've like a steadily growing list of Vita games that like this is really good. It doesn't seem to have because the Vita's not no one's really has has a Vita. No one really knows that this game is actually kind of decent. Uh it's not quite as polished as as I don't think Dead Souls looks, to be honest. Um but whereas in sort of other sort of Metrovania games, getting powers you never quite know what powers you're gonna get, so spotting the areas that you're gonna backtrack to later to kind of find places to go kind of have no idea what's going to come up. Like, I was playing Guacamelee a few months ago, and, like, I don't know what powers I'm going to get as a an undead um, <laughs> play wrestler. I don't know what's going to happen there. So I don't know which areas to kind of go, oh, well, I'll better go that way later on. But you know what Batman does? He he has a grapple hook. He blows up stuff. He goes through vents. So you immediately, as you walk through an area, you immediately spot places to come back to, which is really neat. Yeah, um, nice. It all just sort of makes sense in a way, and and because it has like less of a focus on combat, which a lot of the sort of other Arkham games are really like action heavy. It kind of brings Batman back to this sort of like sneaking through places and doing mostly just takedowns and stuff, which is quite nice. Uh, what else do I have on my notes? That reminds me of a little bit of um, I, had, I think I had Splinter Cell on the Game Boy Advance, which was a mm. which I guess was like a stealth. Metroidvania yeah. type. Yeah. That's cool. You know, I was yeah. just really surprised. I wasn't expecting to actually, like, pick it up and go, oh, this is actually good. <laughs> like, I just picked it up because it was, it was cheap at the, at the time. And thought, well, I, I like all the other Batman Arkham games. How bad can this one be, really? 
And uh, yeah, it's actually quite nice. I, I heard quite good things about Blackgate when it came out. I think it was eventually ported to Steam. Right. I, but yeah, I, I, I don't know how good the res- obviously the response was considering it's a, a handheld game. So yeah. I think people do tend to be like, oh, it's just a handheld game. Mm. And I feel like handheld games do tend to do some things that are best appreciated on in their native environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't look the best. Like the artistic design isn't. It does it's quite bland. I feel like they could really have made it something a bit more interesting with how it looks. They try, they try to go for that sort of Arkham uh, texture and design, which because they've had to sort of lower the the graphical fidelity of it, it doesn't look quite as nice. It looks very. It looks kind of like a PS2 game in in places. <laughs> um, but like it also has this really interesting thing where you move on a 2D plane, but the world is still 3D. So you'll you'll do things that sort of you'll do like chase sequences where the camera sort of dynamically runs around a building as you run around a building, and then nice. and as you like as you like grapple across rooftops, you'll the camera will whoosh across to to change the perspective, which is really. I mean, I, this is like my my weekly thing of me going. This is what a Sonic game should do. <laughs> like, like, it works really well, and, and Batman doesn't move quite the pace that a Sonic game would. It's but the, the Batman like Sonic a crossover jump. we deserve. <laughs> yeah, this is, I was saying the other week about how near does it, and it's in a similar way. Near does it a lot better. The sort of shift between as you like run along sides and it's in two D and it sort of moves around. Um, it, it works a lot better in that. But it's yeah for for a game that nobody really cared about. I don't feel when it came out, or that very few people have played. It's it's remarkably adept at what it does and enjoyable. Um, but yeah, that's what nice, the nice. Peter segment. I mean, I, I guess it would be interesting to have like a, a Sonic game in the kind of Metroidvania style. Considering, well, I was just thinking that like a, a Shadow Batman team up would be. <laughs> Awful. Would it pain. would be awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to see them both like sulking in the corner, like standing in darkness. Oh dear! No, trying to out edge each other. I don't know what you're talking about. Awful. It would be incredible. You can't out edge Shadow. What you want about? <laughs> you can damn well try though. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, no. Yeah, Sonic would make a good trip any game. What do you think? Uh, a lot you... of the levels are kind of like that anyway. They just need to sort of lean into it a bit more, I think. I've been mm. playing Sonic Mania recently just to go off on a tangent. Um, well, I hear Sonic Mania is very good. It is very good. Yeah. So I've been playing the new Encore mode and some of the, the multiplayer, which uh, is it's good. It's just like racing each other through the levels. It's quite nice. And then you sort of bump into each other. It's not like playing as Sonic and Tails was back on the... Uh, on the Genesis, where Tails just sort of floated alongside and was essentially <laughs> inconsequential. So uh, yeah, it's good. How you been? Uh, get, how have you been getting on with your backlog of games, Gav? Oh right, right, yeah. I, I the list I made the last time, right, was was it games I wanted to finish? Persona Five, uh, Yakuza Zero. Um, I said. Zelda, Breath of the Wild, still not done. And then there's I mean, two you, games you, I wanted to start. And you've hundred percent of them all, right? Uh all <laughs> every every last fucking one of them. Yeah. Um, what was it? Oh yeah, I wanted to start Odyssey, Mario Odyssey and God of War, which were in, still in their shrink wrap and remain <laughs> so to this day. Still in their shrink wrap. Because uh instead I went back and completed uh a Yakuza two 
and Ace Attorney Apollo Justice instead, and then bought Final Fantasy XV. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm good at my priorities. I mean, you know, I completed two things that I wanted to complete, and then got distracted. Final Fantasy XV is the most recent one, right? It is the most recent one, yes. If you don't count uh, Dissidia. It's anime boy band brilliant. road trip. Oh yeah, that's the one. With the, that with is the, the one. It has a car. Has a car. And food. Yeah. Much Which, very nice looking. You've food. just named two of the top <laughs> of the top five elements of that game. <laughs> yeah, the high level elements. I, of I mean, the car, the food. I I know my JRPGs. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I'm still like, I'm basically. I'm still reeling from Persona 5 because it is just very, very good. Mm. It's... I mean, some people disagree, but, you know, I think it's the best Persona game yet. Because I've not I've not completed the other two yet. I'm pretty far into them, but I've not completed them. So, you know, take it with a, a grain of salt. But I do think just many of the improvements it makes mm. in a lot of areas just kind of, like make it a better game really there's just you know if you compare it to persona 3 or even persona 4 like it just builds on what they did and adds you know there's way more stuff to do in between times like you know when when you're doing the kind of social stuff Mm. and there's you know the dungeons are actually varied now you know they're they're designed Rather than just being a random assortment of hallways, <laughs> and you know, there, there's all that stuff, and I, just, I think it's really good, and I can't stop listening to the soundtrack. So oh, I'm they do forever. have the best soundtracks. It's it's pretty unbelievable. The Persona Five UI is also the most beautiful UI it, I've ever seen in my life. It is genuinely. I'm not the only one that I've seen do this. There have been times where I have been just messing around in the menus, and I've just like <laughs> just. Just kept going back and forth just to look at the menu transitions because they're so nice. <laughs> yeah, like they look lovely. It they they are just really good because you go into the pause menu and it's it's all nice and you go into another one and it just it manages to do everything right and <laughs> it's got so much personality. And you know when you finish a battle, it's not like there's just an end screen. Mm. You'll either you'll either get you know one of the the all out attack end screens where someone does a pose and all the enemies die. <laughs> And or you'll get the one where like, you know, it's kind of a dynamic thing that fades into the the actual game world again. That's cool. It's so impressive that game. Yeah, it's, uh, it's awesome. And also Yakuza Zero, that was an ace game as well. Really, really good. Uh, just so good, and it's like fifteen pound on Steam. So if you've never never played a Yakuza game before. Mm. Just grab it. 15 quid. You can't go wrong. No. It is the best place to start as well, I reckon. Are the, the, Yakuza, like, are the Yakuza games like... Are they, kind of, are they open world? Just sort of... Kind of? They are open world, but the open world is not very big. They basically focus on very small... Like, how... I mean, I imagine... How close to Sleeping Dogs are they? Um... Yeah, oh. not very, not very. No, they, so they are is, like is more GTA. Okay, I'd yeah, say I, I wasn't sure how close to like GTA. I think in terms of like structure, it's probably more similar to like Mafia Two in that like there's this open world, but you're kind of moving between points to do things rather than like mucking about in the environment. Yeah, I mean okay. the open world is very restricted to a small area, but is the very, the small area is very detailed. 
But it's, yeah. still, it's like a it's sort of a third person action game. Yeah, it's like uh, you go from like you know wandering around, and then there's you know fighting bits. Yeah, and people will approach you on the street and try and beat you up. And, uh... <laughs> they will. I just I love how like you can stab people or shoot people in that game, and then they'll just sort of get up after and go, "I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry," <laughs> and they give you some money. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it makes me laugh. It's it's pretty time. good, especially since in in Yakuza Zero, like you beat them up, and because one of the that big game's big themes is, you know, it's the eighties, and there's a lot of money going around. Everyone <laughs> yeah. just like when you punch them, like money spews out of them. <laughs> it does, yeah. And like yeah. it's in, it's pretty incredible. They like <laughs> they'll be like, "Don't beat me up," and they'll be like, "This guy gave you four million yen." It's like, oh, "Cheers, <laughs> mate." Yeah, I'll beat it out of his head. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's good. Uh, zero. I do need to go back and finish it. I'm gonna complete Nino Kuni two eventually, and then I'll I'll dive back into the. Yuki. I mean, it has a, it has a pretty good ending. I mean, it does. I mean, if you've completed a Yakuza game before, you will know what happens at the end of them, which yeah. is that, uh, in some kind of extremely dramatic fashion, uh, two Yakuza guys, uh, have a face down. Uh, they both do this thing that I don't think anyone can do in real life, where they just like grab the like the the shoulder of their like full suit and just whip it off in one yeah. motion like and fight each other. Down one side. <laughs> the Velcro seam suit, <laughs> exactly. You know they'll you know they reveal their big tattoos and have a fight. And uh, well, I mean, if they've got all this money, they're probably getting like custom tailored suits. So I'm sure they could <laughs> probably like, ask their kind of old wizened Italian man, like, yeah, could you put Velcro down one side? <laughs> is, is this possible but yeah it's it's a really good intro to the series and like oh it's kind of weird because it like it sets up a lot of the characters in a way that you know it makes a lot of sense if you're playing it again like going back mm. but then it also kind of establishes them for the later games in a way that you otherwise would not would not have like uh like series perennial favorite majima like like his story is probably the better of the two, and it's just—it's honestly like it's kind of the story of how he goes from being kind of relatively normal to being like the complete weirdo he is yeah. in the other games, <laughs> yeah. and uh, like it, it's kind of—it's remarkable and it's pretty believable, and mm. so it, it's filled with all kinds of stupid twists and turns that you get from uh, every single one of these games where there's like three million different betrayals. <laughs> and you know people are constantly revealing that they're not who they say they are and so on but it, it's just such a good example of it. It is anyway uh moving on before we uh we talk too much about it so before i before i get distracted <laughs> ranting on this so are we going to talk what what's our decision here are we ta- are we going to do spoiler chat for metal gear solid fight i think we can we can give it a little quick look in Okay, so if Obviously. you've not finished Metal Gear Solid Five and don't want the story spoiled for you, skip ahead by about. We'll we'll put we'll a, put it in the we'll, minutes. <laughs> we'll uh we'll add timestamps in the show notes. Okay, George will add timestamps in the show notes. There we go. Um. So yes. So I recently finished Metal Gear Solid Five. Finally. Um. God, it makes you jump through so much bullshit to get to the end of that game. Uh, it, so I think I think me me and Gav are still trapped behind all the bullshit that makes you get to the end of the game because neither yeah. of us have got the iron will uh, of a... Yeah. As as we noted in the pre the pre chat, 
basically instead of like people say obviously there is the missing third chapter of the game which was yes. planned to be there that its presence is very keenly felt but then <laughs> i'm pretty sure about half of chapter two is missing as well oh yeah definitely. because it's it starts making you do side missions instead and open world well it feels like, like you, you finished the yeah like you, it feels like you finished the second chapter and then it's like now do all of the missions you've the main missions you've done again, but extreme and with a modifier, yeah, like extreme, yeah. where you have to, you know, you it's uh, the on-site procurement one where you don't get any weapons to start off with, and mm. like, you don't uh, have yeah. to do any of those. They're, they're completely optional. They come they're up as like missions, optional. but you right. don't actually have to do them to unlock. So yeah, any, okay, any I, I, I didn't know that because the game does not tell you that they are optional. No, it doesn't really give no. you a huge indication. Sometimes, like I, I think it's after completing, you can either do those or. The you know like the go stop a convoy things. Yeah, just do and, like you, I think it's like uh, if like, it's like five random side yeah, missions and then, and then you it'll unlock one of the actual story missions. So to unlock the final three story missions, this. I had to do like fifteen side ops. Yeah, so I was like oh, podcast. Put some podcasts on. Stick well, something I mean, like, on on the radio. The side ops are, are are quite fun at least because it lets the game shine for what it does best which is just stealth and all of the interesting systems but i suppose but when you do it they're all basically the same like, yeah kind of, when at that point it, the game just sort of leans into the fact that there's not a lot of variation in the missions and then it makes you forces you to repeatedly do them true so, so like to... i quite like them just being like maybe this mission i'll try and use that silly stealth walker robot to actually do a stealth with it yeah I did that mm-hmm. for the first few, and then after I was just like, I was like, please unlock, please unlock. Yeah, I was just so what's like, the most efficient like, way I can nope. do this? Going in rocket launcher, sitting in the in helicopter to land it in the middle, shoot everybody, jump out, just just <laughs> grab like, the guy and leave. Yeah, <laughs> I well, it's to like maybe maybe minutes. this mission I won't have quiet stealthily knock out every single person in the base just before I arrive with her like knockout gun. The, Ridiculous yeah. silenced knockout the, sniper rifle. The <laughs> buddies big... are ridiculous in that game. Like they are pretty. Like D Dog just sort of finds everybody at a certain point. He finds like where where like sniffs sniffs out where prisoners are and stuff. Yeah. And so, uh, well, it's this like, is no longer a stealth mission. Well, like, <laughs> yeah, you walk you, to the person and leave. What does that say? You you go in with D Dog. D Dog finds everyone, and then you just call in quiet, who sets up on a mountain and just takes out every single enemy before you. Yeah, <laughs> you have time I to feel do like anything. The buddies actually make the game quite boring. To the point they where do. if you want to like actually enjoy the game in any way, you shouldn't use them. It it goes so far in giving. I think I said this like when we had a similar discussion a long time ago. But basically, the problem with the game is that it has so many different toys. But the problem is that like they're all too good and the game can't enhance the challenge to meet it without just enforcing restrictions on you or you enforcing restrictions on yourself just because mm. of how good the dog is how good quiet is i mean if you want obviously just if you want the challenge gameplay just bring the horse and just ride somewhere and then go sneak about but <laughs> yeah. that still, is my favorite like... thing about the horse the fact that you can crouch down onto one side of the horse to hide <laughs> on mean, the it, horse it makes I, no sense i love it, it so no much <laughs> what's this random horse <laughs> this random horse with saddles <laughs> with, a, with a saddle and a leg <laughs> and body sticking armor. out the top <laughs> in a country where there are no horses <laughs> exactly wild afghan horses or people ride horses yeah no but you don't you never extract any as part of like the game. True. 
But also, like, some like the funkiest toys that you unlock, like the mist suits, and lo- like the toys that are uh... crazy broken, the game is just like, no, if you use this toy, you can't S-rank the mission. Yeah, I yeah. think it, it's things like also just getting like supply drops whenever as mm. well that kind of go like yeah, unlimited ammunition I've whenever you un- want it. Yeah, unlimited silencers and stuff. So and nobody hears them when they arrive or when you like. No, as long as I have called them in like ridiculously close, like something like like fifty yards away from an enemy, and I've yeah. like either faulted someone or called in a supply drop, and no one's noticed. <laughs> yeah. and it's just been like. You can fall on like a tank or like one of those massive crates next to somebody, and they don't—they never notice. It's—it's <laughs> it's pretty weird, but yeah. yeah, I think there's an interesting dynamic because I don't think that I, I kind of get why they do it. Obviously, restricting the 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 silly items, but at the same time, well, I wish I wish they didn't. Are any because... of the items sillier than quiet? Yeah, I was thinking it's like I've—I don't think I don't, I'm not sure if I've ever ranked the mission, but. I want like I just something subconsciously. Well, no, it's like there's, I whatever I want to like pick one of the cool suits that lets you teleport or turn into. I don't actually know what it does. I know I picked it because it it gives you this big red warning that's like no, you can't S rank a mission. I don't think I've ever actually S ranked a mission, but just the idea that I might not be able to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like it just keeps me back from holding it. It's like I want to have fun uh, with it, but I'm not. That's some classic loss aversion for you, right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It is pretty weird. It's kind of got a, a duality there, but and then the game is like, now you've got to go and beat all of the mist men all over again on extreme difficulty. And yes, oh, they'll t- they'll two hit you, to. and it's like, what is this mission that is painfully hard? In fairness, once you like get the timing down for parrying them, they are a complete joke. But it's it it's kind of weird in that the most efficient. Well, it's not really the most efficient way because it takes forever, but. If you want, because they they're very telegraphed. Once well, you get rid the of all the enemies, you, you can be parrying one, and then the other one just throws a rock at you. <laughs> yeah. oh, true, from like yeah. an but, angle you can't see, and it's like. I mean, I, I remember I watched this one video where like the guy was using like the shirtless outfit, just I guess for manliness points, and just <laughs> was just like it was just like you know the very first mission you run into them where they're like just like snake run away, and he just like this guy just like sprints shirtless into the crowd <laughs> of them, and then stands there for like fifteen minutes just doing the parries on them over and over and over. Doesn't get hit once and just wow. kills them all. And I was just like, that's some dedication and also a massive waste of time. <laughs> yeah. So Nevi, you you managed to cut through all okay. the bullshit, and you are bring, and you, you bring us a, a messianic message from the end. Reach yes. the sparse endgame. So, yeah, yeah. So, I know what the... So, I actually watched the twist and, and saw it happen. So, and, and yeah, I watched the, the distinct lack of endgame as well. So, the big twist is that, that the guy you're playing as is not actually Snake. It's Snake's body double. And Snake was off doing something else all along. Which, I, it, I think the way it does it is really interesting. Other than the fact that it makes you replay the entire first mission again with all the tutorial prompts and everything. It leaves oh, no. it like a weird choice. On. Yeah, it's like, it's like a weird choice. Um, it's like I get it. Like I understood as soon as you told me the twist. I didn't. I don't need to play the mission again exactly the same way to <laughs> yeah, get the twist because <laughs> nothing it... else is different apart from the bit at the beginning where it kind of has like the the photographs and kind of moves one of the photos and reveals you the person that you made and stood next to snake and um and kaz and, and ocelot and then it, it and like okay i get the twist and then it makes you play the entire opening mission again which is like i think it is one of the best missions in the game but still it feels 
Yeah, because at the very start of the game, you create it. It gives you a character creator, and you have to create a character, and then it like drops you into supposedly Snake. Yeah, which is annoying because I I was like, oh, I want to play a Snake. I don't want to play as a random character, and so I spent a really long time making my character Snake. Either of you, I never noticed this the first time. I don't don't know if if you even really do notice, but that Quiet was the person who came to kill you. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. I didn't notice that at all. I only heard. I only noticed it because it it was in like one of the audio log things that it said that that's what happened to her. Like she got burnt out, and that's why she has the parasites inside. I think I I think I heard about it before. Like I played the game because someone commented on it, like, "Oh, that's Quiet," and I was like, "Oh, so it is." Uh, yeah, and you I, burn I, alive. I, I just remember so little of it. All I remember is like a hospital bed, fire child, character creator, and I don't know. I don't really remember details. Mm. It wasn't a fire child. It was a psychic child and a fireman. That's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, be, watch yourself around the war <laughs> experts here. I remember the first mission a lot. The first mission was really good. I feel it like really it was good. good because it restricted you, right? I mean, like, you know, you had just some stealth puzzles to figure out where it's yeah. like, oh, right, so there's this guy here and there's a guy over there. And it's like, I have this pistol, but it's not got a silencer. Mm. The first mission felt like the most Metal Gear mission of the game. It felt like, yeah, like Metal Gear 1, 2, or like yeah, 3 or like, 4, like, like where you could... Under, under, te- under beds and stuff and like moving between like little chambers and trying to figure out ways of doing stuff with basically nothing to help you so yeah and then every mission after that is like have all the things <laughs> have yeah, everything rains all the time. down on you you can even have like, someone a helicopter to come to air i know just, eh? to strike in i even because I, I remember the first time when i when i summoned the supply drop because i was like all oh, right so part of the, the game here is going to be you know managing my ammunition while i'm out in the field you know making sure my silencers don't break and so on <laughs> and then i was yeah. like wait i can just get one of these whenever i want yeah. And it costs such a paltry amount of money that it yeah. doesn't matter to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think it. The the missions are sometimes a bit better just because they're they feel more closely designed, and you know sometimes it actually restricts what you're allowed to do. <laughs> so with the with the ending, and I can't remember. I've gotten to the. I've had these answers in the game. And I just didn't appreciate. It. Who are the psychic child and fireman? Because it was just like. Here, yeah. okay. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> who are they? Since I seem to have cut you off, <laughs> what are they? So yeah, the psychic child is Psychomantis from the first game, and the fireman is Colonel Vogan from the third game with weird magic powers for reasons I can't remember. <laughs> no, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't so explain that... it. But like, I think he's like he like dies, and then they give him, <laughs> he wakes up at the beginning of of Peace Walker or something. I don't. Yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, he had. He was like a weird electric guy before, and now he's on yeah, fire. I don't so... know why. Um, yeah, because they yeah. constantly show up and mess you around. It's like, who is this person? Why are they a fire thing? And then they just disappear, like, just leave? I didn't yeah. really feel like I had any answers. No. The, the game's a poor job of not clarifying that they can't do... They don't do those things because of the parasites, like all the other supernaturally things in the game. <laughs> They're yeah, just, they just like Psychomantis is just a psychic. That's just yeah, yeah, he's just a psychic. He's just a psychic. Yeah, like I was like, were they because ex- I was like, are they were they experiments that the skull man no. did? <laughs> no, no, they're just they just they just have magic powers. I don't know what's hard about it. Like, like why? So like, I couldn't quite figure out. So why? So they were just 
people that had those things? Why were they helping <laughs> uh, um, Doctor Skull to kill everyone that spoke English? I, so I think I think it has something. It has things to do with the Doctor Skull, Skullface, <laughs> Doctor Skull, the Red Skull. Uh, Skullface had like dealings with Russia. I think like, he he ends up like not kidnapping but like saving Sancho Mantis from a. A plane because he's being tested on by the uh, yeah because I remember a radio log or something mentioning the kid was in a plane crash yeah I yeah I think that said to do with that was Skullface that caused the plane crash and then like saves him I suppose um, but what does I don't know if that's before or after he kills Stalin but <laughs> oh yeah that was you mentioned this what the fuck I yeah, I didn't it just, listen to it feels the like logs obviously yeah. Skeletor <laughs> killing Stalin feels like a big thing that should be mentioned. <laughs> it just, it's not even made of a big deal of, it's just, like, it's not even one of the sort of mandatory audio logs, it's just one of the grey ones that, it just sort of mentions it in, like, passing of, like, oh, yeah, by the way, Skullface killed Stalin. <laughs> and it's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> man. Cause I, okay. Because you kill Skullface at, like, the end of the first act, right? Yes. Yeah. And that was the thing that was that I found weird, because it was just like, right, so that's the, the game's what seems like the main main villain is dead, yeah. and 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 the Metal Gear is is done. Yeah, Got I mean, that, tick tick the Metal Gear box, <laughs> and there's, there's two acts ish. Yeah. Well, two brackets, one act left. Hmm. I know. I think I think basically you could consider that to be the main game, and then the bits afterwards are kind of just like an epilogue. Because there's only maybe five chapters, four or five like actual missions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like actual missions. Um, but yeah, it didn't really feel like it answered anything. It was just like, cool, you stopped that plot that you just discovered was happening. Yeah. But then, like, at the end, right, okay, so after that, like, there's this whole thing that I am not too sure about. I don't I don't know if anyone's too sure about it. Where, like, obviously, Skullface is dead, but yeah. he kind of still shows up sometimes. And, like, like as a kind of presence... Almost maybe like an influence. I don't know. It's just like is is the weird, you know, him just like appearing behind Snake at one point, just supposed to be like the the influence he's had on him or something like a representation I think, of it. Yeah, so, I think kind of one of the like things of the game is like they're basically the same. Like they end up, it's like a circular thing of like Snake fights him to stop him from doing that, but eventually just sort of becomes somebody very similar in later games. So like. If we were to give the game like a rough, like to sum up the plot, <laughs> oh, oh, no. okay. How do Can you sum up a Metal Gear game? Okay, Come so on. so from what I had, like your you start off as big boss, and your base is attacked by a rival paramilitary faction controlled by Skullman, and then who are Cipher, and then you escape to a hospital on Cyprus. Yeah. Uh, and then that's where the character creation happens, and as the ending reveals, you then body double switch to play as the character you created, yeah. masquerading as Snake, who yeah. then rebuilds Mother Base, which is your offshore home on a, a like a mercenary thing. It's like an oil rig. Basically. And then you're doing jobs in Afghanistan, and you discover that Cipher is got a Metal Gear and then people start getting ill and you rescue 
slash kidnap a scientist that you'd worked with previously who's now building the Metal Gear. And then the people get ill and it turns out Cypher's big plan is to kill everyone that speaks English with a disease that targets people's vocal cords and so that it recognises the English language. Specifically, it's a parasite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, recognizes because, the vibrations or something. Yeah, I mean, it's and, not like the English language has similar words across different languages or anything. I mean, and the word that, no is not ubiquitous or anything. And it involves American an American Indian code talker, who's the, the guy who. Yeah. Answer. Oh, there's a whole thing about what metal archaea. Which I still don't, don't talk to understand. me about Metallic Archaea. Don't yeah, that what kept the being fuck mentioned. Was that? <laughs> oh, and really also, understand. this whole time you're being pursued by a, f- a man that's on fire, a psychic child with sleeves that are too long, and yeah. mist men that create mist and can teleport, and also Quiet, who tries to kill you, and then you convince her to join your team. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I yeah. think. I think the mist ending as well. Yeah. So what happens with what happens with quiet at the end? Uh, Basically, it's such a dumb ending. It's like like the rest of this game. It ends in a really anti-climax. Well, not anti-climactic, but in a weird way. So basically, she she leaves the base to go and take revenge on some Russians. But I can't remember the reason why she wanted revenge on the Russians. Um, And then loads of tanks attack. You you blow up all the tanks, and then. Uh, while you're waiting to be picked up from the helicopter, you're hiding from the Russians, and Snake gets bitten by a snake. <laughs> and and in order to call the helicopter, Quiet has to talk. She has to talk in English, so therefore activates the parasites, vocal parasites that are in her. So the implication is then that she just sort of goes off and dies um, afterwards because she's activated the parasites that are going to kill her. Because oh, snake got bitten by a snake. But didn't they... Right, dumb question. Didn't they find a way to turn yeah. the parasites off? Because oh, that's the, how they saved everyone on Mother Base from dying of parasite disease. The parasites mutated. Simple answer. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but not, why, not why would she have the mutated parasites since they were old? But whatever, uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter, does it? I don't it? know. It's There's just clear. reasons. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I'm I'm assuming that like I don't know she was being kept alive by the parasites basically anyway since yeah she was the whole, her all of her powers come from the parasites in a different way they were that's why she can breathe through her skin or and photosynthesize yeah whatever that nonsense was <laughs> yeah it made you feel bad about staring at her boobies apparently <laughs> so yeah. says Hideo Kojima. <laughs> Once you guys know the proper reason we had to put her in a bikini, you guys will all feel ashamed. I mean, one of the things I think oh. is like moderately clever about the game, I guess. I mean, one, once you know the twist, like some of the things that the game does make more sense, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like obviously the start with all the like, kind of though. Moby Dick callbacks, and then yeah. there's the fact that whenever, you know, whenever you're, uh, whenever a mission starts, you know, yeah. there's like a weird network of quotation marks around punished venom snake which yeah, is yeah. like because he's not the real one yeah. uh but then at the same time it's uh doesn't really do much no There's you do much. get continuously called ahab by pequod as well sometimes when he picks you up at the end yeah. of certain missions 
So again, sort of alluding to that you're not actually Big Boss because you don't always get called Big Boss by everybody, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of there. But I just quite like the idea that there wasn't this like singular event that just sort of made Big Boss become sort of not the. I don't think he's ever really a villain, but like the antagonist that he is in in later games. Yeah, it kind of I is think... just sort of a sort of slow decline of like paranoia and and like manipulation and sort of. The idea that it's he just sort of becomes a, a being a bit like Skullface in that um, the way he wants his own Metal Gear and stuff. So I, yeah, I do think I there's, there's like a weird idea though that obviously like at the end you know uh, you know obviously Big Boss comes back or you know they they see him again hmm. and I mean I don't know like uh, I, I imagine that what happens right so he just he's just you know they find him he's just been riding around in a sweet leather jacket on a motorbike i'm still raging that the motorbike and the leather jacket were not in the game i mean i don't i don't know about you guys but i wanted it the motorbike, I don't, would, be... motorbike would have been sick but unfortunately yeah, it's not there and i imagine like what happens like so he's like can someone like catch me up on what's been going on and then like i don't know what like also what like dumps 300 tapes on him and is just like look <laughs> listen to all of these in order and you'll understand yeah there's a certain madness that there are even tapes in this game in the first place you have like like a hologram iphone but then that's like i mean look i mean metal gear ever since like peace walker has kind of had a bit of an issue with being a bit uh, anachronistic, where like yeah. even within its own weird timeline, it doesn't really make much sense. Because I mean, like, I mean, in, in five, right, you have Sahelanthropus, mm-hmm. which is way bigger and more <laughs> advanced looking than any of the other Metal Gears that <laughs> yeah. show up, up <laughs> to something. and including uh, like Metal Gear Solid Four, and you know, then after that, they just go back to building a, a shitty ones like the one that you make on the base and then is never involved in the plot. <laughs> oh yeah, that was the thing that was happening that they kept being like, oh, you're going to get to use this in the game. And I was like, is that going to happen? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it, it was basically entirely for the online component where you made nukes for some reason and had them. but and disposed uh, of them. Dispo- yeah, got rid of them eventually yeah. for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I never game. did that bit, so... And then, like, like, uh, like, like we were talking about before. There's just weird, like, massive details about the game that are hidden in these audio logs. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I can't remember. One of you guys brought up Huey, and like, how it is that, uh, you know, the game doesn't really mention it in the actual storyline, and he just seems kind of like a like a Hal clone. Yeah, and, you know, like he just like, he just, of... he just behaves like this weird nerdy victim. Yeah, basically but, he's just this kind of pathetic scientist that is just constantly... Yeah, and just Ocelot just beats the shit out of him and tortures him for no particular reason. But then it's like, you listen to the audio logs and he's a complete piece of shit. Yeah. Like, he murdered his wife, experimented on his son, yeah. and like, <laughs> did all this shit, and like, uh, it kind of makes that, sense. Some of that does come to the front. He does get, He gets kind of uh, not expelled, what's not the right word, but uh, you know what I mean, from Mother Base and they like, send him off... Um, I can't think of what the word is now, but you know what I mean. Exiled. Um, and exiled, there we are. It wasn't hey. excellent. Um, yeah, he gets exiled from Mother Base, and some of that comes up about him, like, you know, experimenting on his son and killing his wife. And he's still, he's still just always like, it's not me, I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> <So> you're like, 
how are you still? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was the other thing that happened. There's suddenly at some point I came back from a mission after being like best buds with Quiet, and suddenly Kaz and Revolver Ocelot are just torturing her, and I'm like, what? Uh, what is yeah. going on? Yeah, I think that's just that. Just Ocelot how how he passes the time. <laughs> but much. yeah, I don't. I remember that happening because like you fill out your like trust meter. And then you come back, and also it's just like, I think she's a traitor, boss. Zap, zap. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure at some point in the story, like, she had literally, like, a couple of story beats earlier, she had just saved boss's life and, like, saved, and saved, the, like, the, the, the war children. Like, yeah. One, one of the ones from Gas or something. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're killing off all the parasites or something along those lines. Yeah, it was. Oh yeah, they like yeah they ran like didn't they drop something into a big gas hole? Yeah, and one of the kids jumped in, in, and then she jumped in and saved him, and she was burning and stuff. But yeah, yeah. and then then they're just like oh let's go back to just zapping her for no particular good reason. But yeah, I don't know. There was some the game's just kind of weirdly disjointed in a lot of places, and then just kind of yeah really starts to fall apart after. It is is it yeah it's incredible just how bizarre disjointed and nonsensical a game story can be and yet it's like you know like it was and then yeah the game just got overwhelming praise and like it's i like i I love the game but at the same time no yeah it's so good it's so weird that that there wasn't more just criticism for like what (laughs) yeah a lot of reviewers played it in a short burst so they don't I don't. Th- I think yeah. you have to really let some of this sink in, especially some of the like other weird gameplay bits that don't like quite work very well. Like they do weird, like actual. Like there are not enough story missions, and you do story missions that are just jobs that that are essentially like long side ops. Yeah, that uh, that is one of the things where it's just like you know you do all these random ones. It's just like oh, oh here, here boss. Uh, <laughs> Some guy wants you to go steal a book from this base, and it's <laughs> yeah, just like, so... all right, all right, great. <laughs> yeah, it's very odd. I mean, I kind of I get like Big Boss's sort of decline. What I don't understand, I I mean, I've not played Peace Walker, and I haven't finished Metal Gear Three either. But I don't quite get Ocelots. Like at the beginning of Five, he's yeah, like, I don't with, like the Wildlife Foundation to try and like save animals, and then in Metal Gear One, he's like an insane torturer. Well, there's, like, there's, uh, some of that in five, but he's not in he's not in Peace Walker. Like I, Peace Walker was the first, well, at the other side from five, the only Metal mm-hmm. game I played. But like mm. the story for Peace Walker, almost made sense. Like you can kind of follow it. I can kind of follow it without having played any of them. Mm-hmm. And like it, it is coherent to an extent. Whereas five was just like yeah, I mean, if what? you haven't played the other ones, like five hardly makes sense if you have, even yeah. if you are like like right. I think you need to be pretty well versed to understand what's happening in Metal Gear Solid Four, right? Because it yeah. makes no sense. It's just well, it makes sense on the old, the weird logic of Metal Gear. <laughs> you need like a, a degree in that game series to begin to comprehend what is going on. But this game does that and then some, mm-hmm. and then like. If you've if you've not played Metal Gear Solid Three, you won't really get Ocelot. Ocelot is a a Russian who uh, is a a big Western fan. So in Metal Gear Solid Three, he went around with like revolvers, yeah, hence hence the name, and basically uh, just got clowned on by Big Boss a lot. 
and got really upset about it. And so the first time you fight him, you take him out, and then he shows up again with two revolvers and uh, tries to shoot you. And that's where there's this... I don't know, you probably have seen it at some it's, point. It's in the your really life. long gun twirling bit, isn't <laughs> the it? big long, yeah. Like, he spent ages just flipping his guns around. And then, yeah, he kind of shows up intermittently through the game. And then there's this bit at the end where it's one of those like weird, really good bits where you, like... Basically, after you finish the game almost you like meet him on a plane i think hmm. and like you have a quick draw showdown with him and i think basically the thing is neither of you have any bullets left if right. i remember right but it, it's it's really good i mean i'm not going to spoil the whole of mgs3 for you because it's i mean it's the best game in the series to be honest i think because yeah, that's that's the one before peace walker when big boss is working with lady big boss yeah normal boss normal. i mean she's the boss the yeah. boss and yeah, <laughs> the whole boss, big boss thing. The, the it's boss just so saga. messy. It's just so messy. It's like, and it's like, what? So you didn't think that the arrangement of different snakes was hard enough? <laughs> like, here's, <laughs> yeah. You th- you thought you were a master because you knew your solids from your solidus. Too bad. <laughs> big boss, little boss, cardboard boss. Exactly. And it's when they they don't just call them by that, then they call them by their actual names. So you have like John and Dave and stuff, and they're like, 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 oh, I had so much trouble just knowing you were solid and liquid. And, and what is and just... what is Snake's name? The big boss Snake. Uh, I think he's called John. Because yeah, think I think he's a John. Ocelot calls him John in the. Um, yeah, I don't think don't think very many people. Like, he gets called John a bit in uh in in three, I think, because. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's set quite considerably in the past. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, because because Ocelot starts by working for the like animal foundation to like get animals out of war zones, and then and then, and then like a few scenes in, he's like just torturing somebody. And I'm like, from my bits I remember from the first half of three, he was kind of I know he was like a Russian like soldier and stuff, but he never came across as like as quite the psychopath that he ends up sort of becoming. So that was no, no. I mean, that's kind of his thing, I guess. That over time he becomes a uh, uh, more hardened, and then I guess like you kind of see both bits of him in like five, yeah. Where you know he is like, you know, obviously he likes a good torture, uh, and then yeah, like as as you get towards like Metal Gear Solid One, like I guess he's just kind of lost it after yeah. uh, after Big Boss apparently died. Yeah, and then he loses it even harder. Like, like after yeah, yeah. Metal Gear Solid One, right? He loses his arm hmm. and has Liquid Snake's arm surgically attached. <laughs> at does. which point, yeah. a concoction of drugs leads him to believe, like he he deliberately brainwashes himself into believing that he is uh, <laughs> is, is being controlled. By the ghost of Liquid Snake. <laughs> it's that episode from The Simpsons Halloween where Homer gets Snake's hair transplanted onto his head. <laughs> Basically, except... Wait, was that episode out... a Metal Gear Solid reference the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> Almost definitely. So yeah, that's Metal Gear Solid 5. Hello. Is it dinner time? <laughs> no, it's quiz time. All right. Oh, super. It's time for the quiz. Quiz time. It is quiz time. Quiz o'clock. Uh, right. This week, you are being treated to a journey 
around the many belted individuals that make up the the wonderful universe of JRPG characters. <laughs> Most of these are protagonists, but for sake of additional beltiness, I have sometimes selected a secondary character. Okay. Um, in like one case. <laughs> uh, so just because the main character didn't have any, and fuck off with that. Anyway, <laughs> How dare right. they? <laughs> exactly. Letting everybody down. So, right. Why don't we begin? Shall we? Let's begin, because I'm ready to win. Oh. Right. You right. Basically, again. the format will be a question. I have ten and a, a, a decider question. Super. And the format will be multiple choice, A, B, or C, different numbers of belts. You have to guess okay. how many belts our protagonists have. The Right. I have criteria for belt. Okay? <laughs> Just like so any old strap that's like a, a flap of leather or whatever isn't a belt. It has to have a buckle. The buckle is the, the main point, right? Yeah. That means that even if it's part of an item of clothing, it counts as a belt if it has a buckle and notches. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Well, that's just a strap then, isn't it? Like it's it's basically well, it's a strap, but it's a strap with a buckle. With a belt buckle on it. With a oh, belt why, buckle, why, exactly. Why isn't, why isn't this the buckle quiz? Because belt uh, sounds cooler. <laughs> anyway, anyway, look, it doesn't matter. Basically, yeah, it's basically a buckled that... strap of some description. Who knew that JRPG characters and New England Protestants had so much in common? <laughs> 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 Alright, let's do this. Quote for let's... the ages. Right, number Buckle one. Up. From Final Fantasy X. It's your boy Tidus, the the protagonist with the infamous laugh, who uh, loves to play blitzball and so on. How many belts do you think he has? Does he have A, three belts, B, two belts, or C, five belts? Ooh, I'll let you answer first, George. A... I think he has five belts, which is C. That is C. <laughs> <A>. <laughs> yeah, I think he has five as well. Five? Yeah. Is Unfortunately, he is actually only a minor belt offender. He only has three belts. Uh, are they only has... like trousers or something? Like, or between he... the, like, the legs right. on the trousers? He has uh, one big belt around his centre with like yeah. a pouch. And oh, his, his like chest, overcoat oh, thing it. has like two two belts to hold it up. I thought he had some really shorts as well. His right? shorts don't have any belts, but they have a fucking ton of zips. Oh, uh, does he wear he, zip off shorts? Pretty much, like multi layer <laughs> zip off shorts, right? So he he has like one of it is like a its shortest level imaginable, and then another one has an additional zip layer. On one of his legs, which has like a Wait, weird so he has tribal shorts symbol, that you can like zip off into like speedos. Mo- well, they're like short shorts and then long shorts, and then I'm assuming because there's even more zipper teeth that there's an optional third layer of trouser. <laughs> yeah, it looks Basically. like it. <laughs> they are ultimately adjustable, and he's obviously lost one at some stage in his life. <laughs> And one 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 of those trouser legs is basically made up of like well the back half of it is made up of like straps but they don't have a buckle so they're not belts. Ah. One thing I didn't notice until now is that he's wrapping a a fairly fashionable pair of uh, Timberlands on his <laughs> on his feet basically, uh, which is pretty good. 
<laughs> and I mean, his whole outfit's a bit of a mess. But I mean, what are you gonna what are you gonna do? Yeah. Right. Question number two from Chrono Trigger. Our swordy protagonist, Chrono. How many belts hath he? Hang on. So in Chrono Trigger, there's an actually a character called Chrono. Chrono. Yeah. yeah. He's the main guy. Yeah. Uh, I always assumed it was just about time travel. I didn't realize it was because like it, it guy, is like, about time travel. Called but, Chrono. Yeah. He's the guy that does the time travel. Yeah. Handy. It's an on-the-nose <laughs> name, admittedly. Yeah, but yeah. It. <laughs> and he, he ba- it's, it's, like, it's like if one of the Final Fantasy characters was called Final or Fantasy. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, snake he... gets bitten by a snake. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chrono basically looks like a Dragon Ball character because uh, it was designed by the guy that made Dragon Ball. Good old Toriyama, um, yes. Exactly. David Ball. He also, he also does the character design for Dragon Quest. Mm. Uh... So how many belts hath Chrono? A. Zero belts. B. Two belts. Or C. A mere singular belt. So zero, one, or two. Zero, one, zero, two, or one. Zero, two, or one. I think he's got one. I think he still has a belt. Oh, wait, no. No, no, he has no belts. He has zero belts. I'm going to say no belts? Yeah. No belts. Uh, I'm going to agree with Nevi. You're both wrong. He has one big belt oh, around his center. <laughs> one big belt to which I think his like sword scabbard is attached. Oh, it's across his shoulders. Yeah. Well, it's oh, like it's no. like on his hip. It's like a a samurai sword type is thing. It? Oh, I don't know. I can't picture it in my head. But yeah, yeah, he's not. He, he looks a lot like most Toriyama characters. I don't think he's super distinctive. He just has a like a you know a tunic thing and leather boots and stuff. Yeah, I was just trying to think. I can't think of any Toriyama characters that have a lot of belts. So I was trying to. I thought no, just like not. they're they're mostly low level belts, right? So I didn't want to just mm. only include like stereotypical, you know, super belted individuals because <laughs> I think that would be unfair. Yeah. All right. So I had to do some research for this one actually because I was unsure on the total number number of belts and couldn't get it just from googling pictures. <laughs> uh, so, in a game I've been playing, uh, Tales of Berseria, Velvet, the main character. She is a major belt offender. So I had to go in the game to count specifically the number of belts from multiple angles. Um, Because they're they're obscured in certain places by her jacket. Uh, Does she have A, 12 belts, B, 8 belts, or C, 7 belts? I answered first last time. I'll let you go first. I'll go first this time. So it's uh, 12, 7, or 8? Mm hmm. Hmm. I want to say 7 belts. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with 8. 8 belts. No one has a point yet. She has 12 belts. I felt like it was just too many. No, no, that's not too many belts. (laughs) Right, so for for reference, I'll send a a link of this outfit because, I mean, it it warrants discussion in many ways that we shan't get into today. Um, Users enjoy the, or listeners enjoy this image in the the show notes. Right, so... The outfit like, is mad. Basically, yeah, it, it, it ticks off so many boxes. But the idea was she was there aren't in really prison. any clothes to hold up with a belt. No, no, there aren't either. <laughs> there aren't. She was in prison for ages, and then like all her clothes got tattered. And then on her way out, she like grabbed some, basically some random guff. But the weird thing is, it also is, it's also like weirdly intricate. There's so many bits that you would have to set up specifically, 
like there really are three belts around the waist and there's this weird dangling like pendant thing from one of the belts across the front anyway (laughs) the point is right so she has one belt holding the raggedy cloak on see see, that's 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 the thing like in the semantics of 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 belts i would say that or like a buckle. strap. Yeah, I wouldn't It's call a that buckle, a... but we're counting it, okay? Okay. Yeah, fine, you can fine. just lay down the belt law, okay? Lay, <laughs> lay down the. I'll give George the belt for this. I'm an expert. The strap. The, right, so she has one belt on the top for a thing. She has another belt, like, hanging around the waist. She yeah. then has three arranged on her right thigh for reasons beyond human understanding. A further. Just <laughs> just a further, because. what is it? Three, I think, going down the right, the left calf. Yeah. And then one dangling from the jacket. And then you see what confused me that you won't see in that image that I had to go in the game to check is that her <laughs> gauntlet thing on her right hand has an additional, I think it's three straps. And then, no, it's two, I think, on that. And then the, the like right greave thing specifically has two additional belts holding yeah. it up. Because she's wearing she, she's wearing a greave on one leg, but not not the other. It's yeah, well, yeah, they've got like she only had one, enough time to put one anyway. Look, this let's game is move long. On. She could get new clothes. <laughs> she could, well, I mean, you can change her outfit, but oh, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay, so right, maybe you guys can get a point with this maybe. next question. Maybe <laughs> she's got uh, she's but... got very very distinct under cleavage. Like it's <laughs> very you distinct. Could, you, could, you could flip that. <laughs> and it would almost make more sense. It, it would look like overboob rather than underboob. That's very true. But yeah, anyway. Uh what was I saying? Right. Uh, question four. Fire Emblem Awakening, the main character, the Avatar, later called Robin, I think, for Smash. Uh right. how many belts does he a... or she have? Uh, well I know that they carry a book in Smash, so I have I have seen them in Smash. They, do they have played the game? Um, yeah. Do they have a one belt, b two belts, or c four belts? Oh, uh, let's go. Uh, can, for I, can I have the answers two. again? Uh, one belt, two belt, or four belts? Four belts. I'm going to go two. And you're going four, George. Yeah, yeah, we'll right. Four. Nevi gets a point. Yes. No. He has like two belts over this kind of, uh, like I don't know, like leather thing, like a, a leather cummerbund type. <laughs> oh, so a leather cummerbund reason. isn't a belt. It's not like no, a no. Those, 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 go, those go over it. Those go <laughs> yeah. over it. There's two belts around the waist. One of but which a, a cummerbund like is a is a is buckle. just a fancy belt. <laughs> well, I don't know. I didn't count it because it's not really. It, it doesn't have a buckle on it. A cummerbund so is more of a belt on, than, than a fastener that on catches my a cloak. Rules. It's not. It's not really a cummerbund. I just don't know how to describe it. It's like okay. this weird. It's just like a bit of leather. That's sort of yeah. Leather. It's like a chunky bit of leather. Yeah, and it like think... holds up. I guess this underskirt that he has on under his big robe. Yeah. But some anyway, the, yeah. Some of the books in Fire Emblem have their own belts on them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So Nevi has a point. He's he's yes. in the lead. Right. Okay. From the first Disgaea game, uh, Etna, the the kind of side character demon girl, has quite a few belts. She has loads of belts. She's yeah, a heavy belt offender. Heavy <laughs> is, belt offender. Is the term we've come to. The use. term is belt offender. 
<laughs> under belt law. The uh, <laughs> does she have a eight belts, b nine belts, or c ten belts? You can go first, George. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to say nine belts. Right. Uh, I think she uh, has ten. She's uh, from my head. She's got a lot of belts. Nevi takes another point. She has ten belts. They're symmetrical. She's... The belts. Yeah, she's another character who's just see. That, that was belts. that was what that was what steered me to nine because I was like, maybe it's it's more fashionable to have an asymmetrical number. An asymmetrical of belts. belt arrangement. <laughs> she's another one that's just mostly belts. Like, she's mostly belts. Like this previous lady who had. Oh, oh she showed yeah. twelve. But have you got images for Etna as well? Because. She's uh, yeah, just belts. Wait, copy image location, and I will link it in our in our chat. She's like mostly belt as well. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> having clothes are just belts, basically. She's got like two belts on each boot, and then like like four buckles on the like mini skirt thing, and then two yeah. around her arms. But those that's just two belts because if, if like that's just either end of the belt attaching to the the buckle in the middle. No, but it's not. It doesn't look. It's not look because there's all other buckles on the belt. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a buckle at each end of the same belt. I'm assuming that the the thing in the middle is part of the design of the miniskirt rather than a, a large buckle. That wouldn't work, George, because the belts would have to be in something. They just they flop otherwise, wouldn't they? Exactly. They're just. No, they're, they, it, so, it doesn't so, make so, sense. So the going outfit. around. So like, <laughs> the belt goes around the back and then comes back around the front and then attaches to the buckle thing at the front. I, well, I'm pretty sure I got another angle and they're the same on the back. <laughs> right. Don't question Gav's research again. <laughs> I, have, I have intensely researched this beltology, and they are basically they're just weird belt straps that go around and attach to nothing for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Fashionable reasons, I no doubt. It's demon fashion. Don't question it. Right. Okay. Six. The game we didn't get to talk about because we spent too much time talking about other games. Final Fantasy Fifteen. We're back to the Final Fantasy land. Uh the main guy, your boy, Prince Noctis Lucis Kylum. How many belts does Noctis wear on his person? Does he wear A one belt, B zero belts, or C two belts? Ooh, um, I think he's a one belter. George, uh, I'm gonna say two belts. Right. So, so the the only one on. Wait, no, I'm not gonna say. I've already said it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Noctis oh, in his default that. costume is a zero belt. He's a zero belter. Oh. I mean. As far as I can tell, he, like, in his normal kind of uh, all-black jacket kind of camo pants thing, mm. he has no visible belt. And I, I've always gone by visible belts, right? I don't ever assume that there is a belt under belt. clothing holding up the trousers. <laughs> because it also looks like there's, like, strings hold like from his trousers, like his camo uh, his, uh, combats, because they have, like, a drawstring hanging down. Mm. So oh, he's okay. a zero belter. He's a zero belt. Almost uniquely amongst Final Fantasy protagonists, he's a zero belter. <laughs> All right, I think this was for reasons I will explain later to make up for perhaps an excess of belts on someone else. Uh, okay, so from the recent video game Xenoblade Chronicles Two, the main character Rex, uh, 
how many belts does he have? Uh, a spunky youth with a distinctly northern accent. How many? How many belts has has he? You're gonna give us the options, Gav. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. We're not that good yet. No, yeah, you're not that experienced. Okay, A four belts, B two belts, or C three belts. Four, three, or two, is it? Four, two, or three. I think this guy sounds like a three-belter. I'm going to go with four. A four-belter? He is, in fact, a three-belter. George First takes point. a point. He has he has one, like, double-buckled belt going around his waist, which looks like it holds up his big metal trousers, but he's in, like, a skin-tight suit, whatever. And then just two belts <laughs> that just look like they kind of dangle around his midsection. Right. So there you go. Uh, Rex, I've not actually played that game, uh, no, really. but I might. Okay, so right, we mentioned this on the last podcast. We go on to Lost Odyssey. Our main character, I can't remember. Do you, is it Kaim or Kame? I think I've always said Kaim. Kaim. Okay, it's it's Kaim. How many belts does he have? He has, you know, very nice hair. How many belts does this guy have? Do you believe? Hmm. He's mostly an armor wearer. What are the options? Uh, yep, I need to give you the <laughs> options. A, 15 belts. B, 10 belts. Or C, 12 belts. I think he's... Oh, I can picture him in my head, but I, I just try to... Determine the difference between he has a, 15 and 10 belts. Like, you, you wouldn't even think that he has that many belts. Maybe I should have made them further apart, but, uh, like, he has a deceptive belt number. Does it? I mean, I, I would have said that, because I didn't think that he would have very many belts at all, and my, my lowball estimate is, well, the lowball option is what 10. What are our options? 15, 10? 15, 10, or 12. I'm gonna fight the belt and say 12. Yeah, I'm gonna go fifteen. I think he's got lots across his chest. Uh no uh, Nevi takes another point. Rigged. Because he does indeed right, okay, so I mean obviously <laughs> George will probably make some wild claims about <laughs> about whether or not these uh grieve grieve buckles are in fact belts, but they I are think belts. You should... Mm. <laughs> and because he has the one big belt, and then he's got other belts on his on his back. There's more around the front. I so I, are I you an angle so, from the back. so so those those things on the greaves are being counted as belts. I I I, I, I made my my criteria pretty clear I, at the start. I think you should be. <laughs> I think you should be disbarred from belt court. You should any... be disbelted from belt court. From belt court. <laughs> disbelted from belt court. <laughs> <laughs> You see, notably, the weird strap things on his legs aren't actually belts. They're, they're just, not, they're just straps. They, yeah, okay, they don't have a buckle. Just, those, those are just clasps on his greaves. No, they're, you can see that they're buckles. They're buckled. <laughs> yeah, and they, they have, have notches. They are not belts. Look, if you want to call them buckles, you can call them buckles. But that's the, the criterion. You see, I also <laughs> had to work out whether um, those things on his uh, arms were belts. They're not, they're not buckles in any, any sense. There's more they're around not, the front. Are they? Anyway, they're they're like just metal bits, I guess. Right. uh... Okay. So, uh, as far as I can tell, uh, she is the worst belt slash buckle enthusiast in (laughs) the Final Fantasy universe. 
And the weird thing is, uh, it, we are talking about Final Fantasy XIII's lightning, and I don't even dislike her outfit. I think it's quite. I think it's all right. I always quite liked her design. I think she's a got belter, a nice jacket. If you will. Hmm. A belter of an outfit. A belter of an outfit, indeed. And how many belts do you think that Lightning has? Does she have twenty belts? Does she have B twenty-five belts? Whoa, or C fifteen belts? I thought you were gonna say fifty then. Fifty belts. <laughs> fifty buckles if you're if you're George and they're oh. being uh anal retentive about it. Uh, I'll, do you want me to go first, George? Uh, I'll I'll go first. I'm going to say 25 belts. Yeah, I'm going to go 20. It's another point for an heavy. <laughs> another point for an heavy. 25 it, seems too many for something that's not a belt outfit. <laughs> I mean, like, if you perfect. look at the buckle quantity, though, uh, um, you may, you may be the- surprised. Because I had to do some examination again. I needed to get an alternate the angle. the shoes, isn't it? The, the shoes add a bulk of belts. And then you see there's the pouch thing, which yeah. I had to confirm that every strap on that has a buckle. Had to confirm. Uh, you see, Not on the phone to Square. Exactly. I had to phone up Square Enix and say, does it have a buckle? You see, the one, the big one has notches. So it must have a, it does have a buckle around the back. And the other one also, the other ones also do. I just don't uh, and think then, you, anyone could ever trust your reputability as a as a belt lawyer ever again <laughs> these are clearly just straps with buckles a strap call... with a buckle is I mean, is this, a belt this... you call this game journalism <laughs> it's a belt attached to something else yeah. and then you see there's a there's another another buckle on the on on the pouch and then there's one on her pocket and then there's like four on her jacket and then there there's another one around the midriff yeah. and there's another one on the like like boob straps and then there's one hanging off the collar mm. And then she's got like a zipper turtleneck. Yeah. No, you, like that, I I was surprised when I started counting. Again, I don't I don't even think that she has a particularly bad design, but uh, no. there's a lot of belts there. Right. There's a lot of belts. Okay. For, for people listening at home, she's wearing one big belt and then one just big... has lots of straps with buckles <laughs> on various bits of clothing. <laughs> this entire thing has been rigged. <laughs> look, look. Anyway, anyway, right. Uh, again, I I explained the terms of engagement here, okay? They were firmly <laughs> just... established in this court of law. If it was the other way around, if he was winning, he wouldn't be complaining. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a pretty convincing victory so far, right? So, right, this one is a bit of a wild card, right? Uh, from Earthbound, in his depictions in... Art, promotional art and other media because he's right. too small to see in the game. How many belts, buckles, or buckled straps does Ness have? Ness doesn't wear any belts. In promotional, I, I well, there's, in in Smash in, Bros, he doesn't wear any 25. belts. <laughs> he's got more around his face. I mean, you may want to be to be careful. Is it zero, one? Or two buckled belly straps. Well, I, you know, frankly, what you know, the the definition set down of what is a belt is so flexible. Buckled, buckled belly strap. And I mean, well, you're a Smash player. You've, you've might... seen him clearer than I have. I mean, to me, he's just a tiny, blurry mass of pixels. He de- doesn't have a belt around his waist. I can tell you that. Well, 
He doesn't Probably. have a belt around his waist. Oh, he's absolutely going to have a belt around his waist. Oh, he's going to have buckles on his shoes. He's going to have, okay, two belts. Two shoe buckles. <laughs> two sh- shoe buckle belts. <laughs> two shoe buckles. And Nevi, Nevi, uh, what's I'm your roll of the dice here? One. One. Okay. George is right, but he, he has he has laced shoes, but it's because his his backpack his has back, his buckles on his backpack. Has yeah, buckles I was thinking he'd have one like, on night, slide in. Is it on the straps of the uh yeah, on like the arm the arm ah. straps he has them. So there you, go. The there you go. I didn't actually I'll admit I didn't look around the back, but from some things I see it doesn't look like he's got one on the back anyway, so I think, fine. I, think I think we're all good. Anyway, so George takes a point. Alright. For for fun reasons, even though Nevi has scored a comfortable victory in the belt stakes, um the final boss of belts Here has emerged. As I explained before, I could not get a reliable read on the number of belts on Lulu from Final Fantasy X because it is somewhat inconsistent uh, depending on the the picture uh, because there's so many. But, uh, right, this guy is the beltiest. From .hackgu, uh, Hasio, I think he's the protagonist. I don't know, I've not played it. But um, how many belts does he have? So you can understand the kind of ballpark we're in. Does he have 38 belts? B, 52 belts? Or C, 86 belts? The final boss. Is he the guy in the red hat? Is he wearing a red hat? Uh, no. No, he's like, no. uh, he wears a lot of fucking belts. Is what he wears. Yeah, surely he can't have done any other clothes that's just buckles. Ah. Uh, I mean, the middle figure was it fifty two or something? Fifty two. I'll go with that one. Well, I'm going to set a high belt standard. I'm going to say eighty belts. Eighty six belts. Eighty six belts. In this case, Navi takes another point. <laughs> eighty six seems like way too many. So he I just looked... like rolls around his legs. I looked at the. Uh, I mean, I think it would be doable. I looked at the. This is the the commonly accepted fan interpretation of the belt math. In this particular case, and I think you'll there is an actual that. belt mounts. There's oh dear, exactly. There's a belt formula, um, and I think if he was trying harder, he could have he could easily achieve eighty six belts. To be quite honest, yeah, no, he probably could. That's I mean, impressive. he's got exposed midriff, he's got exposed shoulders. You know what? A leg real estate he, he, there that he, he can could, still see. He could apply exactly. I mean, he could belt his face up. Yeah, this, this guy <laughs> for sleeves is just wearing belts. Sleeves is. Uh, it looks to me like there is something under there, perhaps. I mean, because yeah, on the elbow, there's it's it's just belts all the way down. It's just belts all the way yeah. down. And so, so there it's you melting. go. It comes to comes to an end. Severe disagreement in you want, the you undo the, the final the belt world. and his 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 yeah, like his skin just falls off. <laughs> <laughs> The the human falls apart to reveal that it's a sentient belt in a skin suit. <laughs> Just like, what have you done to me? Is Bayonetta got lots of belts, or is she mostly zips? Uh... I, I don't know. I, you know, that's, that's actually a next quiz, isn't it? <laughs> the, the zip quiz. Well, I mean, surely she can't have any belts. I mean, can her hair make belts? I mean, her hair can make yeah, anything. Yeah, I know. I just thought I felt like I, but, I remembered seeing belts at some uh, point. But... The, there are belts on her arms. She has, uh, uh, like... One's just wrapped around it. 
You really can't do anything with magic hair. <laughs> yes, you can. What a, what a world, eh? <laughs> Suck to be bald. But, 2018 you know. for you. <laughs> you can really do anything with magic yeah. hair. <laughs> you really can. <laughs> you really can. Oh, man. Right. So this has been a long episode. Yeah, it has. Bumper. Um, right Very now, bumper. Boys, should, we, should we wrap up? Shall we? Let's, shall shall we strap belt up, up and, and head and wrap out? A belt around the episode. <laughs> uh, Just make sure it's got a buckle on it. And, uh, exactly. Yeah, well, you know that's the that is the real uh, real criteria here. I think. Uh, I mean, right. So I take I take a maximal right in terms of the schools of beltology. I am a. Uh, maybe you are a, like maybe a belt essentialist. <laughs> I on the function right. So to me, a, a belt is a form rather than a function. Hmm. Uh, but perhaps to George here, a belt also represents its its function as well as its form as a belt. A essentially, be- a belt I, comprises of many things. It, it, you know, it often has a buckle, but is not buckle exclusive. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I get what you mean there. I mean, yeah, but. I I I have I am of the maximalist school of thought when it comes to belts. <laughs> I love this. I respect your opinion. I I, re- I respect <laughs> I respect your opinion, but I think you'll find that in in the field of scientific thought, the weight of evidence is behind the maximalist school of beltology. <laughs> it, it's like that. It's like that argument they had about uh, on on uh, where was it? Was it? Was it Polygon or somewhere? Like on a podcast, they had a bunch of guests on to discuss how many Gokus there were in uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z because they uh, there's like fused forms of Goku and right. descendants of Goku. Like, are they an individual Goku, half a Goku? <laughs> Is it half a belt? No, there's only belt, only one belt in. In, yeah, it's, something it's can't a, be half a belt. It, ha- it can only oh, be a full a, belt. A strap which it encompasses someone that then fastens its ends together to enclose that thing. Ah, but you see, if I have a belt, right, and I sew it onto my outfit, and I, I don't close it, it yeah, it's you, still, I mean, a it's, it still a belt. It was still it's still a belt. <laughs> when does a belt stop being a belt? Okay, but a lot of those things were just clasped because the ends didn't connect together. They were two separate things that were then joined by a buckle. What? What? No, I. I well, so like, yeah, you get them. Like, you get one side of a strap that you then sew to the lid, like to the the flap of a pocket. Yeah, yeah. And then that you put one side of a buckle on that bit, and then you have a separate bit of thing that you attach the other side, and then the buckles oh, connect. But then they connect through the the anterior object. <laughs> Are you suggesting, Joe, that all these people just have one belt but have several buckles that just sort of snakes their way around their body? <laughs> well, okay. So if the anterior object that like the bits of fastener and buckle connect to count as as part of the belt, surely then the thing, like the person, could be considered part of a belt as well, and so they're just a single belt. If, who can truly say who is the belt? Is it the buckle or is it the person? Exactly. I mean, all I'm saying is a buckle, a belt is a, a piece of fabric uh, with a buckle of some description and and notches and. Uh, otherwise, the purpose it serves and the form it is utilized in is uh, fundamentally fundamentally irrelevant. The integrity of the the belt loop uh, doesn't doesn't so matter. That's the thing. I think that the doesn't loop the loop is crucial. It's got to be a loop. It's like two separate things that then connect to hold a pocket closed. That's just a fastening. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, 
but what I mean, it's to me, it's it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Anyway, well, a, anyway right, what, what would you consider a seatbelt to be? <laughs> He's got a point there. He's got a point. It, I mean, it's called, it called a seatbelt because <laughs> it's quicker than. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a good. One. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nevi. Your work will be acknowledged in the next scholarly study on on beltology <laughs> in in this this famous debate. Right. But, um, but you also would say that it's a strap. That's it's more of a strap. A seat strap. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to start a petition to call the... it seat straps? <laughs> no. <laughs> So colloquially, belt is fine, but we're not we're, we're academics here. We're belt academics. We don't go but in for colloquialisms. In, I mean, George. look, that's just that's just you're you're getting onto subjects of linguistics now, and I mean, uh, as they say, language is pre- we, do, uh, descriptive, we, not prescriptive. So do we do we want the definition of the noun belt? No. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that. Uh, you can you can give it if you like. I'll, I'll leave it. I'll leave it as, as something for the uh, for the more dedicated listeners to find out for themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, just to mention that you can all go to George's GoFundMe page to uh, to help fund his campaign of <laughs> making Against sure belts. Uh... <laughs> make sure the uh, the the belts will be belts campaign to exclusively yeah. ensure that yeah. on, the belt term is used only to refer to unitary <laughs> belt items. Yeah, he's calling it Belksit and um... <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, I think we're done here, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Right, yes, thank you for listening to the uh to the Beltcast. Uh, we'll we'll see you next time on the Belts and Pieces podcast <laughs> and uh, until next time you can find us on Twitter at Bits and Pieces. <laughs> no, Bits Plus Pieces and Instagram at those bits and pieces. Um, yeah. And online <laughs> at bitsandpieces.games. Oh yeah, uh, I missed that bit. That's the important yeah. one. That's the yeah. good website. Got lots of stuff on there, lots including a very interesting video by Nevi about what are the connotations of androids tripping over bushes in near Automata. Yes, there is that. Yes. Exactly. She's interesting and I, watch I, that I doubt today. you've watched another video about it, so... There'll be it should be exactly. new and a bit different. It's the only one you've ever seen, and it's the only one you'll ever need to see. Yeah, and when you're watching it, you can think, "I wonder how many belts these characters have." <laughs> how many? How many? Oh, I should have. I should have included them. Eh? Mm. So you can have several identity crises while you crises while you play uh, near, as well as belt crises. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening. That's all for now. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Belts. <laughs>